Hello, this is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to or watching Radio Maine. And today I have with me in the studio, artist Jack Gable. Thanks for coming in today. Nice to be here. So Jack, you've been, uh, you've been doing a, this art gig for quite a while now. Well, I've been uh, working as an artist since around 1979 or 80. I came here from another profession, but I've enjoyed it, so it's been quite a while, yeah. What did you do before that? Uh, I was with GM Design Staff. I designed uh, Trans Am Firebirds, of all things, and loved it. Had a great time there. I was there about 15 years and got into what I would call lower management, did a less art, remembering that design people are generally artists. You have to create shapes and so on. Um, had so much fun, and then I started painting on the side to bring out the art part again. And I had no complaints whatever, realized that I loved it. GM had treated me really well. And uh, my wife and I decided to move to Maine to paint. And it was one of those 35-year-old decisions that a lot of people make. And we moved to Kennebunkport, and uh, things began. So... Was your training in art before you went to work for a GM? Yeah, it's an, it was an interesting thing. Uh, I'd gone to University of Kentucky prior, but I'd always loved to draw cars. I was, you know, a kid, loved cars, racing, and so on. And at the time, there was one school in California that was called the Art Center College of Design, but they gave a Bachelor of Science in Industrial Design and uh, a major in Transportation Design. And I was out there for four years, graduated. Uh, GM came out, interviewed uh, the students, offered three of us a job at this spectacular design center north of Detroit, designed by Errol Saarinen. And um, I was excited to go there. A week later, I got my draft notice and I ended up going to the wrong place for a couple of years. This was the late 60s. And then uh, came back and GM again and... Uh, Away we went. But as a designer, you had to have training and illustration because you have to portray your designs. And you better be decent at it because no one will take notice. So that, for someone who loved art to begin with, was good professional training. So when you say portray your designs, you mean kind of create life out of them? Well, true. The way you start out with automotive design, at least at that time, this was 68 when I came back, is... The automobile, the exterior of the car is only an idea. And you're a newbie, you're a creative de young creative designer. And you have to be able to render or portray your idea in a way that will attract, uh, you know, the people that are going to be making those decisions. And that meant from doing uh, illustrations on a smaller scale, sketches, nice tight renderings to doing 15-foot-long, full-size airbrush renderings of these automobiles. And that was just the process. And from there, it would go into a full-size clay model where sculptors created these shapes and so on. So it was very art-oriented. So when I moved toward what I wanted to do, which was free painting, I had, let's say, the technical skill to be able to just jump into it without taking years to try to develop that. So it, so it worked out. 
I noticed that a lot of your pieces are on the larger size. And now as you're telling me about the work that you did previously, yeah. that, that kind of makes sense. The larger well, sizes don't really, they don't intimidate you. It's, it's very interesting because that is true. But when I moved to Kenny Bunkport originally, all I did was average size watercolors. And at the time I was showing, uh, I had an opportunity to show in New York, and I was showing in the same gallery that Wyeth was painting out of, Coker. And these were main subject matter, so typical main subject matter. And I enjoyed that, and then I uh, that career developed, and I was asked to do watercolors for America's Cup crews, portraits and everything. They were all watercolors. And it wasn't until the early 90s that I had been contacted by some people uh, in Washington. And they said, you know, we really love your rowing watercolors. I had done a lot of rowing pictures on the Charles River. And they said, do you think you could paint classic automobiles? And I said, you're kidding. They said, no, do you, do you think we like your style? I said, do you realize that I used to design automobiles? Do you realize that I fly to Pebble Beach to paint Bugattis and Duesenbergs? They had no idea. Then they said, can you or do you paint murals? And I said, yes, having never painted a mural in my life. And they said, this is perfect. There's a funny story as to how I was asked to price murals, but I won't go into it because I was completely unaware of that side of the art business. But anyway, that first mural I did was an indoor mural on canvas, and it was 120 feet long by eight feet high for a company in Washington. And I got a lot of help and a lot of advice. And then other people would see it, and I ended up doing uh, murals for Audi, and I do paintings for Ferrari and so on. And that's the automotive side. But since then, I've done many, many paintings that have nothing to do with automobiles from... Uh, portraits of for the Smithsonian on commission to uh, the history of Washington, D.C., to the history of the automobile at a museum in Detroit, to any number of things. And some of them are six or seven feet wide, but not mural size. So I like to do both. And those are generally on canvas. What's the difference between painting a smaller size and painting a larger size? Well, it's humorous. I mean, if you can picture a 20 by 30 sheet of watercolor or canvas in front of you, you have the full scope of it. You can get focused and involved, and it's, it's kind of thrilling and terrifying because we can all mess up a painting, but you're right there with it. When you're painting a mural, let's say it's a 40-foot mural, Let's say it's eight feet high. You're standing there in kind of a technical aspect, a foot from that mural. You can't see up. You can't see to the side or right or left. And it's more of something you just have to accomplish. And you have to do it well. You have to do it technically well. But it is the completion of a commission and because most artists don't do murals for themselves, some do. But then you can back away. I have a studio uh, in Woolwich where I can back away about 25 feet and see whether I've messed up or not. But it's a completely different 
uh, structure that you have to psych yourself into. So that must be a very large space. It's pretty good size. The mural uh, uh, room is about 25 by 50. The whole studio is about 80 feet. And I've had it for about 25 years. Uh, the humor in it, of course, is if you don't have a mural, you don't need the space, but you can't get rid of the space. And so far, I've been lucky. I usually do a mural every couple of years. But since I'm there, I do the larger paintings too because it's the same canvas. And then I'll do a watercolor at home in my home studio when I can. So when you're creating a mural that's a commission, I'm assuming you would have to plan it out, sketch it out ahead of time, but then have it approved by the people that you're right. doing this for? You have to do research. Luckily, uh, you know, I've been doing this for a while. Uh, luckily, people are aware of the work that I do. So they seek me out because they are interested in the, the way I paint, the style and the skill that I have, the way I paint. So now they will say, we've seen your work, uh, pretty much go with it because we like what you do. Prior to that, we'd have to have long discussions so we would understand what each other would do. But I think now I have, uh, I think, 14 or 15 murals in Washington and a couple um you know, in the Michigan area and a couple in Europe and so on. So it's a known entity. Uh, but still, I'm an artist and I have to make a living. And um, commissions are, they don't put you in the space that you can be if you're doing a small watercolor for yourself or whatever. But what I like is having control of my day I like the fact that I love a challenge. And so these commissions to me are one, necessary, and two, really interesting. I'm not a good sailor, but I've been to Australia and Sardinia with 12-meter sailors. It was a thrill of a lifetime. I'm not a good rower, but I've met a lot of great rowers and enjoyed the sport. And so my range of subject matter is as much based on life experiences as it is on, you know, pinholing as, you know, a certain subject matter. So, uh, so far, so good. I mean, uh, I'd still like to get back to just the watercolors, but that isn't at this point. Given the choice, what would you paint? I still like painting main subject matter. I still like painting people, quiet scenes, um, I'm uh, uh, always have been a Wyeth fan, and, but contemporary-wise, a Neil Welliver fan, uh, the great painters of the 19th century, I've always been very uh, enamored with. Uh, I'm a, a realist painter that, uh, not to dwell on it, but uh, I believe uh, that skill is something that, that, uh, is important when you're a realist painter, not necessarily an abstract painter. And uh, the patrons that I have appreciate that and they can see it. Uh, I know where my strengths are. I know where my weaknesses are. But skill is something that's important to me. So I try to create a piece that's personal and important to me and has artistic merits. But I try to do it realism uh, in a skillful way. And so the subject 
can vary, but the application of my abilities is pretty much the same, whatever I paint. Tell me about this piece that uh, is in the studio behind us. And it's one that we, it's, it's not one of your larger pieces because we have a smaller studio uh, space, um, but it, it, is a, it is a beautiful landscape and you, with the sailboats uh, in the background. How, how would you describe it? Well, this was, I, I did purely out of enjoyment. I uh, w wanted to create three pieces for a show I had recently at the Portland Gallery. And uh, I thought this size would be good. I originally was going to try to do more pieces, but I couldn't. So I thought I'd try to do something that had lovely light and mood and was more simplistic about Maine. So this is a piece that's somewhat designed it's to create a mood. I've seen many islands in Maine. I've lived uh, in many different areas in Maine on a bay where I presently live. And I, I created this painting uh, really involving a fog bank out of my head, but with lots of experience about what I've seen in Maine. And it's mildly abstract in a way, if you want to look at it, the simplicity of it. And I did a couple of other paintings that were a similar size that were more ethereal, uh, kind of like this. And it was an experiment for me that I really enjoyed going into. So... What originally brought you to Maine? What was the what was the draw of the southern part of the state? Well, it was it was that image of Maine of uh, Wyeth and Edward Hopper and Neil Welliver and so on. And as uh, a designer, uh, we I lived in Bloomfield Hills at the time in in Michigan. I was still going to galleries and looking at art and reading books and so on. And uh, when we sold our home in in Bloomfield Hills. For some reasons, uh, we had to search out an area in Maine that would make sense in terms of going from one home to another. Uh, in our case, it had to be, uh, uh, you know, the, the location of the house and the, the price of the piece because that's part of life. And we'd heard wonderful stories about uh, Kenny Monkport. And so... We went there, we looked around, we, we looked at Camden, and we, we thought that Kenny Bunkport was the most playful of those areas, so we moved there. And actually, uh, we've been in Woolwich for 30 years because we moved out of Kenny Bunkport. My children love Kenny Bunkport. They still play tennis at the River Club. But uh, we love Woolwich. It's a real town, uh, B-I-W, uh, is there and and uh, it's very interesting. The water is there. We're on a bay. It's more laid back, and half the people on the road are from Princeton, New Jersey. So there's a huge range of people that that we enjoy there, including some of the great folks that uh, were living there for years and years, um, just farming. So, how would you describe uh, the difference? between the beaches down in the southern part of the state and up kind of on the mid-coast where you are now? Well, the access is different. Reed State Park, for instance, is you're coming out of a forested area and not everyone knows about it, and it's on a back road in a peninsula. Kenny Bunkport, Agunquit, York, all of these are, let's say, more touristed areas. But at the same time, 
uh, people have enjoyed their summer homes there and year-round homes for years and years, but the beaches are more open access-wise. Uh, there's more of a social atmosphere in the southern part of Maine. I can't speak to Camden, but that's just a gorgeous harbor, but it's not really about a beach. But it's more uh, playful, maybe more, uh, more youth there engaged, more activities more boat schools, and so on. But coming from Michigan, which also is a big sailing area, uh, there still was this huge transition about the East Coast that we knew nothing about. So it was it was great fun to, to go there. The beaches, they do differ, but we have enjoyed both North and South areas. And do you find that the water in the different places, Michigan, the southern part of Maine, mid-coast part of Maine, has influenced the art that you've done? No, more more the land than the water. I mean, in Michigan, you're talking about clear water, not salt water. Um, I didn't do a lot of painting in Michigan. Uh, I was designing automobiles. I didn't really get into... Uh, serious painting until I moved to Maine. And of course, then I was a 35-year-old newbie with an art education. But like most artists, uh, I was influenced by lots of, of people that were more famed than anything, because that's what the access that I had. And yet my nature was was realism, so that narrowed the the focus. I appreciate contemporary art and abstract and everything else, German expressionism, but I'm a hopeless realist, so that's what I tend to go to. And as far as portraiture, uh, looking at the great painters from the more profound, supposedly Thomas Aikens, to the uh, incredibly talented John Singer Sargent, uh, to the bizarre Lucian Freud uh, paintings, you just have a whole range of things to be influenced by. And eventually I just evolved into my own style. So so I would imagine as a 35-year-old yeah. uh, who's married with a family, yeah. uh, making that leap from the safety of designing to yeah. full-time art, that, that, that must have that been That is a, the funny start. I, I've occasionally had these questions. Uh my wife at the time uh, was also an artist. She was uh, involved with Ford Neural, which was a uh, high-end uh, corporate interior design group. They even worked on the World Trade Center years ago out of Michigan. And the truth is that I had enough confidence, which is hard to rationalize, but I had been treated well, had done well enough at a, at a decent level that I didn't really think it through very much. It wasn't terrifying. We thought, well, let's go do this. And in retrospect, somehow I will look back and say, my God, how did we ever have the courage to do that? Except it wasn't courage. It was just almost a lark. And it's been kind of a gift. Now, uh, she was a lovely person. We had three children. She was a well-known artist in this area, a pastel artist. She recently passed away. Uh, and the uh, I've been married to my present wife, Bobby, for 30 years. 
And Bobby is also an artist, very creative, and restores oil paintings. So this whole thing has been a gift of an adventure. I see my children often. They come with us. And uh, it's just been a, a really lovely life for the last 40 years, really. We're glad we did it. My understanding is that Bobby also does a lot of your framing. She used to. She used to. Uh, my framing style appears to be changing recently. So I'm not sure. Mostly what we do is she works in her garden and we go on sports car rides. So um, everything changes. And uh, she's certainly capable of that. And she's certainly capable of a serious critique of my work. And I accept it. And she's saved me on many occasions. So there you go. Now, I'm good friends with one of your children, your daughter, Kate. Oh, Catherine. Catherine, yes. yes. I call her Kate. The redhead. Yes, the redhead yeah. and her wonderful husband and her and two Joe. little boys. Yeah. And she's an artist and a designer um, really in her own right. So, Well, Kate grew up with a couple of artist parents. Two boys grew up the same way. They were all going to be artists. They didn't end up doing that. Kate went to Savannah College of Art, got a degree in industrial design, and uh, got into uh, doing interior design with uh, an architectural firm in New York City for a couple of years, and then uh, came up here and got involved in working at the Portland Art Gallery, which she enjoyed, a magazine prior to that, and then she uh, got into boat design, interior design, and has just kind of exploded. And uh, she loves it. She's very personable, loves to travel. It's kind of interesting watching uh, Joe, who does uh, high-end cabinetry work as his own firm, watching them juggle all this along with uh, two young gentlemen. Uh, so I'm frankly amazed at their energy level, but I think I sort of remember it from the past at my end, but that was a while ago, you know. And Kate also has been involved in uh, kind of making sure that your art career in Maine moves forward. Kate, uh, I for years, um, after I, uh, I had a, an agent, uh, John Payson, who I'd shown with in New York and Hope Sound, Florida, and all over. And uh, he was from a well-known art family, and we got along splendidly. And John went and died on me about three or four years ago. Uh, which is part of life. And Kate said, well, Dad, uh, if you need uh, uh, an agent on the side, uh, galleries are important, but I'd like to kind of get involved with that. And who am I to complain? So she's lifted the load off of me to a degree for my end of the work. Plus, I said yes immediately, because who wouldn't want to work with their daughter? So she's uh, involved in that way, yeah. And how has it been to work with, with your daughter? I know that that, uh, I mean, I have a father who's in the field that I'm in, and well, I enjoy it. And also, we sometimes don't always see eye to eye. Well, with humor, I will say Kate is a very capable, very straightforward, uh, has no problem in stating her ideas about everything. But fortunately to Kate, when it becomes our relationship, I'm still dead. And I love it because she, on a professional level, takes care of what I need, strictly business, 
but we have this wonderful father-child relationship, although Kate is hardly a child, but it's you can imagine what I'm talking about. So it, it couldn't be better. So there you go. As someone who's seen his art evolve over the years, um, a, you know, from a more of a focused on the design that you were doing when you were employed to the work that you like to do now, do you, do you see a direction? You've talked about watercolors. Is there something, something you'd like to explore next? Yeah, I, I as much as I will never uh, give up commissions because I love the experiences and the interaction with people, but... Uh, I guess my opinion is I should probably be retired by now, but if I was retired, I'd paint. So forgive me, but I might as well get paid for it. So I do that. But on my own, if I, I get even older, which I'm looking forward to, I would be in my studio at home still doing paintings of Maine or whatever comes in mind, but with more of an ethereal uh feel that I just uh, would move into emotionally. I still do it. In fact, everything, you can't create a painting that you can let go unless you're serious about it, unless you try very hard, and unless you're satisfied with it. So anything I do, I do my best. It's only years later that I might run into something that I did in the past that I might look at it and say, well... I guess I, I would, would like to have done that a little differently, but that's when it catches you completely off guard. So when I'm into a painting, regardless of the reason, I'm into it because I want to do a good job and I want to feel like an artist. I want that ethereal, joyful feeling that is the, the so-called artist stereotype where you're, you're doing something that you have... Uh, a natural ability to do, but you feel fortunate to make a living doing it. So you're you're grateful at the same time you're in a position to be having that kind of a lifestyle. So it, it shows in, in the work, in the painting. As far as just the my own personal style, I like to play up light, atmosphere, and drama. And I'm I, I suppose known for that. But if it's tight realism, it's very obvious. If it's a subtle watercolor, it can be obvious, but it's more, um, well, it's more subtle. It's softer, but there's still light in the atmosphere, even if it's a, a, a face in a field, uh, because I need that light rather than uh, just a, a lack or a, a bland atmosphere at least in, in my view. So, Does it take any kind of repositioning uh, of, your, of your brain or your approach to go from a more uh, realism-based piece to something more ethereal? Yeah, but, but another example, I was asked, uh, not to go back to it, but I just completed a painting of Martin Luther King who had written uh, the I Have a Dream speech at the Willard Hotel. And so that was a, to be a professionally painted portrait, pure realism, but it had to have a mood uh, because think of that speech. That was in the early 60s. Uh, it was a profound speech. He had toured the country 
with his obvious interest, but this was a special moment for him, and they wanted a certain feel that that somehow portrayed a, a wistful, hopeful attitude. Now, given that speech, uh, we can look back or forward and surmise where it went one way or the other. But I wanted to bring into my mind uh, how to do that, and it wasn't just a technical feat by any means. Because when you're doing a portrait, you need to portray something, someone that looks as they should, but you want some atmosphere and mood and spirit to it. So you have to do both. And that's what I try to do. And um, so I wouldn't say in my case, anything I'm painting, my head is generally in the same space. It's just that what am I trying to paint and what does that require? Sometimes it's for me and sometimes it's for someone else, but I still have to be satisfied or I'd be terrified to show it to someone. If I don't like it and I think it's a failure, then someone else would too, you know, so. Not every artist likes to do commissions. No. And for you, you described it as a, a way to make a living. And it's called Bring It On. I love it because the, the automotive field was highly competitive, very, very talented People, uh, young guys at the time, some women have been there now and they're very good, but a lot of ego. Uh, this design center was an absolute show place. They treated us like little princes because they thought we were artists and we were sensitive and, you know, we needed to be treated well. But in truth, most of us were drag racing on Woodward Avenue in Detroit and we're just a bunch of guys and athletes. So we thought that was very funny. But what I'm talking about, it was a very aggressive environment. And so uh, it was always a challenge. And how can I do this? Or how can I do this best? So when I would get a call uh, later to do these commissions, it was, yeah, I think I can do that. And where are we going? You know, and who am I going to meet? And I, for instance, uh, one time I, I'd never been to the Indy 500. And for Roger Penske, and uh, uh, they were about to win the Indy 500, and Philip Morris was backing them. And they flew me to uh, the middle of the uh, Indy 500, and I was in the pits watching these races. Now, that was cars, and I love cars, but it could have been anything. And you leave that, and you think, wow, was that ever an amazing experience? And then you have to do the painting, but they're separate, but not because it's all involved. And when you're thrilled to be in a situation, imagine being on a 12 meter sailboat in the America's Cup uh, when they're they're pre-racing other boats. Just imagine you're with the best sailors in the world and you're there. And of course you have your camera because there's water. You're not standing there doing a sketch, but it's just unbelievable. And then to see the, the huge yachts that surround these America's Cup courses from all over the world so that they can watch these races, you know, it's, it's just an amazing experience and you meet people. And so that to me is the motivation, the skill to be able to paint gets me there. So I'm dead serious about painting, but, but 
it's more than just that. You you don't you can't be afraid to pick up a telephone. You can't you you can't be so isolated if it's the way you want it to just put yourself in a room and do still lifes. Many people do, and they're far better at it than I am, and they should do that. But that's just not where I came from. Well, Jack, I'm really thrilled that you are willing to come and talk to me today about your all the different aspects of your career over the years. And I know well, that people will... Appreciate the opportunity. It's fun. It's been fun. Well, I hope that people will take the time to look up your work on the Portland Art Gallery website and go to Portland Art Gallery and learn more about you. And maybe, I don't know, go to the Smithsonian and, and see some yeah. of your pieces down there. Well, it's a great gallery in Portland, and I appreciate uh, showing there, and uh, uh, we love Maine. It's all I can say, it's great. I love Maine too. Yeah, I've been speaking with artist Jack Gable, who is represented by the Portland Art Gallery, and also just longtime artist in his own right. I hope that you take the opportunity to learn more about his work, and um, I'm pretty sure you'll love his work as much as I do. You've been listening to Radio Maine, and I'm Dr. Lisa Belisle. <laughs>